The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. An affair? Are you kidding me? Our photographer recognised you as the quad father. Then Bernie Winter came forward with um, her... A pack of lies. ...version of the story. A pack of lies? So, Emma isn't your ex? We were together for about 48 hours. Red-headed love rat. What, kebab Casanova? It's just the subs getting carried away. A hug. It's two mates having a hug. So let's set the record straight. Welcome to episode 76 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that isn't sure what Gary dressed up as for Halloween this year, but it's pretty certain that it's euphemistically described as a massager. I'm Gavin. And I'm Chilly. And he was Oscar. He was an Oscar award. I thought he was a golden dildo. He was... Well, and in, in, in some suppose, respects I guess he was. I suppose you could use an Oscar as a dildo. Why'd you have a hat on? Because I'm Chilly. It's not that cold in here. I've been cold all day. Yeah. How are you, I'm... apart from cold? All right, yeah. We had Halloween yesterday. Ugh. That was fun. No, it was not. It was snowing, y'all. We were walking around our town, trick-or-treating, in the snow. It was more than snowing. It was kind of blowing a gale as well. Yeah. Freezing cold. But we're cold. tough. We're strong. We're mighty. I was sitting a few people at work that were asking me how long we lasted... Out and I said, there's about an hour and 20 minutes or so, an hour and a half. And I'm like, what? Your kids gave up after 15 minutes. Yeah, well, <laughs> and this was like the first year that we were home before the sirens went off to mark 8 o'clock. Yeah, I think we've been home before, a little oh. bit, but, but closer to 8 o'clock than yeah. we were. And, you know, you and I night. came home and Stelly and Annabelle kept walking around our neighborhood and... They really cleaned up because <laughs> lots of people had candy and it was between 7.30 and 8 o'clock and they're like, just just take it. Right. <laughs> just dumping it all. Poor Benny chose to go with friends and didn't, didn't do nearly as well. Well, he lost some of us, he said, didn't he? Yeah. Somehow. Somehow he, he fell over and it spilled out and he didn't bother to pick it up. Which sounds totally Benny. it was too cold. <laughs> oh, poor banana. It was very cold, very snowy, yes. very wet. Yes. My shoes became saturated uh-huh. fairly early on. My pants became saturated. The bottom of your pants were like, like your, your yeah. ankles and your calves was, it was kind of... <laughs> Creeping up. Yeah, yeah, it Ugh. crept all the way up. Fortunately, I had my wellies on, so my feet stayed dry. Your wellies on? Yeah. Oh, look at you. Yeah, I'm wearing them at the moment. What were you? I was an, an apple. apple. I was an apple, and Benny was a banana, and Stelly was the wasp, and you were Ant-Man. But Benny was walking with other people, so 
your costume kind of lost its yeah relevance. Well, you were just why is that apple walking with a wasp and a and an man and a although I have to say throughout the entirety of that evening I thought it was Iron Man. Which it wasn't is, until I got home then. Which is weird because the mask is completely different. I didn't have the mask on. Right, but you were holding it. No, I wasn't looking at it. <laughs> I don't think I looked at it once. And I told you you were going to be Ant-Man because Stelly was the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's not Ant-Man. It's not the Wasp. It's not Iron Man and the Wasp. No, because that would be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. And you're much more of a Paul Rudd than a Robert Downey Jr. I take pleasure for for being neither. <laughs> I was quite happy not to be either. Oh, yeah, it's so cold. And I had a cold as well, which didn't really help. Yeah, I've been sniffling too, and it, it really didn't help. I was, was kind of a mess all day, and it just, whoa. Yeah. Oh, well, the clocks go back this weekend. Woo! Extra hour. Yay! Which will bring tell. us back to being but I'm dancing. five hours behind the UK instead of four, because this just throws me out, this whole... It really does. Because we have to wait an hour later for the episodes to drop on BritBox, and sometimes they just don't drop for hours after they're supposed to. Like tonight, for example. Yeah, like which tonight, for example. Which is a complete pain in the arse. Right, yeah, I hate it when it happens on a Friday. Because then we have to try to watch it elsewhere, and it never really works very well. On daily motion, yeah. yeah. Although I found a feed that didn't have any commercial on, so that was, that was always something. Anything else for this week? Or shall we just preamble, my dear? Let's just preamble, my dear. Let's preamble, my dear. Calling news. Kim Marsh celebrated her leaving the show this week with fellow castmates and a Corey-inspired cake at the Great John Street Hotel in Manchester. So was that Kim Marsh celebrated or... Yes. All the viewers celebrated. Which well, like her, Kim Marsh and her castmates oh, celebrated okay, okay. together. Okay, just checking. Yeah, and she didn't wear her outfit there. She had it like in a bag. What outfit? And then she got dressed in her party outfit in the hotel. So none of the paps got a photo of her in her whatever she was wearing for the party. <laughs> whatever. Lucy Fallon has unfortunately been receiving abuse on social media for the Bethany Daniel kiss. <laughs> oh, it shouldn't laugh. Come on, guys. <laughs> it's the writers of that pish you should be directing your anger at. Wait, wait the, the news is, also, this isn't Fox News. This is BBC. Also, we, can, we can't be opinionated like this, can we? And also, yes, we can. Because I'm opinionated. And it's, and it's the truth. You know, the actors are only acting what was written for them to act. They have a job to do. Plus, Lucy is not Bethany. They are not the same person. So when people say, you're a horrible person and you're going to burn in hell for <laughs> kissing the husband of a, of a dying woman, it's like, first of all, she's not really dying. That's just a character. And she wasn't... It, you don't have to explain fiction to me. I get it. Uh, well, apparently, there are people on the Twitter and elsewhere who don't get it. I think know. people sometimes do get it and just make these comments just to be arseholes. Well, yes, there's that too. Mm. Yeah. I've, I've had to deal with that before. It's never fun. But people were abusing you because of your character in Coronation Street? No, just people being assholes just for the sake of being an asshole. No, people are assholes all the time. <laughs> That's certainly not Corey news. No. It's not even world news. Finally, 
Anthony Cotton has settled a phone hacking claim against newsgroup newspapers after the company was found to have illegally intercepted voicemail messages from the star. NGN has made no admission of guilt, but has paid a large settlement to the star. There are currently still 49 other active claims against NGN, who previously made payments to stars like Elton John and David Tennant. And that's Corey News. Our mailbag. Chloe from Nova Scotia got in touch. Well done on your take on last week's event, she says. The podcast managed to be fun as usual, but quite moving. I agree that Daniel's involvement with Bethany was inappropriate. Thankfully, men never do inappropriate things in real life, she says. (laughs) Which I believe might be sarcasm. Kev, who is now long-term listener, second-time emailer, said, I've been quite down on Corey probably for a couple of years now, but Sinead's death was a reminder of how good this show can be when it puts its mind to it. Absolutely. Although there were some people who really didn't like it and who who weren't who didn't feel emotionally. I was quite shocked with the five things we learned on Corey this week, last week. Hi, Mercita. Yes. I was quite shocked by or how much Scott. Scott just didn't like that whole thing. You know, the, the death and everything and was complaining about things that I thought worked really well. It was like one of the first times that Scott and I have been kind of in disagreement. Oh, I disagree with him every week on, on at least one thing, but there's usually one or two things that I completely agree with, and usually one or two things that I wish I'd noticed and mentioned myself. Right. I thought his problem with the Shane Death thing was that it was just dragged out for too long, mostly. That, yeah. he, that he couldn't get all that worked up about it because it was mm. just dragged out. Because it was dragged out. I felt it was dragged out. But yeah. I still thought it was effective. Death takes a while. Sometimes. And then sometimes... You get hit by a car. Hindsight Corner. A blue, 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 blue. The Tinkers, I referred to Sinead's relation as her gran last week, but I saw a few things online that said it was her aunt. I think I was right. I think it is her gran. Yeah, because... because it's Beth's mum. Right. And so Sinead's aunt's mum is Sinead's gran. Yes. Right? Yes. So this week's Hindsight Corner is, I was right about something. Yes. Bravo. And I thought it would be quite good fun to do a year ago on the talk of the street. What was happening a year ago on the talk of the street? Oh, God. Here's some things that happened a year ago. That's that's quite interesting. I I would like to know this. The episode was called Warm Boob Key. (laughs) Do you remember why? Uh, uh, Liz was keeping Correct. a key in her boobs. <laughs> right. Well, in her bra. Right. Which is and, in the crease between her boobs. And uh, that's where you store things. Tim referred to it as the warm boob key, I think. Right. Or yeah. Steve. Oh, no, it was it was, it was Tim, Tim, and Steve was grossed out by it. We got sponsored by Squire Locks. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> that, that was, was fun. That was a year ago. <laughs> we had thirty followers on Twitter. How many do we have now? Uh, at time of going to press 291. Woohoo! Check us out. This week, in fact, we were followed by Lisa George, who plays Beth, and Lottie Henshaw, who plays Jade. Yay! And I think it was last week or the week before that we got followed by Nick Judge, who plays Tez. Yay! Kez? Tez. Tez. Tez, definitely Tez with Tez a T. Tez with a T. Not the one with the whole Ink covered on his pen. Face, no. My novel was published. That was a year ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. That seems like much longer than that. 
It all kind of became a dump squib, really, didn't it? Oh, didn't it? that's not true. It did. It was fine. Go buy Gav's book. Yes. <laughs> it will and be available until the end of time. Right, yes. So are you are you, are you working are you working on a on a second novel? Currently no. Well it's November. It's NaNoWriMo. I've got too much to do, I've got time for that. <laughs> in <laughs> terms of what was happening in the show, Daniel found out which needs cervical cancer and there was that half episode that was all about him, Ken and Peter. That was quite a good episode. Oh yeah, that was a great episode. Ryan was visited in hospital by Bethany. This was following being run over by Ronan three or four weeks previously. Remember when Ryan was in oh. hospital forever? Yes. <laughs> yes arm I this remember line. that. And uh, Leanne had heart surgery and got out like the day later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter sells his shares in a knicker factory to Nick. Yeah. All that happened a year ago on Coronation Street and on the top of the street. Oh. So there you go. I like that. Sure. I, I, I hope we do this. Every week. <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear? Absolutely. Oh, well, that's an endorsement indeed. Our first story line tonight is It's what Sinead would have wanted. On Monday, Daniel wakes up in an empty bed and he finds a hair on Sinead's pillow, then tends to Bertie. He explains to Bertie that Sinead had to go away and Bertie eats his hand. His own that was, hand. That was, that was a nice touch, the hair. I've, I've, I thought that was... Although I thought somebody changed those sheets for him because he comes back and the bed's all made and stuff. No, somebody, so, yeah. Did so somebody just make the bed with the sheets that the Sinead died on? Ken, Peter and Adam are round at Daniel's. Someone has sent a get well soon card for uh, Sinead. That's nice. And Daniel says that's what happens Yikes. when you send a second class stamp. <laughs> or when you use a second class stamp, rather. Ken brings up the funeral and Daniel says it's in hand. Billy's got it covered. And what about the death certificate, he says. But Daniel thought that he might wait until Sinead's body's cold. Really? Hmm. In he's all my just, experiences of death, you get the death certificate straight away. Right, yeah. He's he's a wreck. Let's... I was curious as to whether Billy can do that for him or whether Daniel really has to do it. Or, you know, Beth or Sinead's mother. Yeah, somebody has to register it, though. Right. And it happened at home. One of that affects it. Well, remember, Dr. Gaddis was there and... Well, she can declare the... Declared the official time of death. But then you have to take the registr- take to the registrar that notice and get converted into a death certificate. Ugh. I wonder who would do that if it's not Daniel. Anyway, thinking about this too much. Yes. So, Tracy's hiding out in Roy's Rolls. She's not much in the mood for selling flowers today and she wants to go around to see Daniel, but she doesn't want to cry or make it about her. Which was nice of her. To, and very self-aware of her to to consider someone else's feelings for once. Right. Yeah, there, ne- there needed to be a for once or for a change there. Aggie gives her a free top-up of her tea. Oh, that was nice. Wouldn't her top-up be free anyway? Oh, no. Not free top-ups. Not in the UK. Nope. That's so weird. In America, you get a free top-up of coffee, tea, and most sodas. Or fizzy waters. Usually unlimited top-ups as well. Yeah. Again and again and again and again and again. No, you'd pay for all that in the UK. That's... That's why the country's going to the dogs, Helen, I'll tell you. Beth and Peter Both are countries are going to the dogs. With Sinead's <laughs> mum and gran. They can't forgive Daniel for his dalliance until Adam reminds them that Sinead could forgive him. Right. 
Bethany is in Dev's spine chewing gum and Evelyn tells her that chomping away gives a bad impression makes people think you have a bad reputation and stuff. A bit late for that, she says. And Daniel comes in and chastises Evelyn. He says that he deserves those barbs, not Bethany. And so Evelyn apologises and Daniel doesn't really accept it. Sean, who saw the incident at Dev's, catches up with Beth and Roy's roles. Oh, Sean. He tells how Daniel was so feisty sticking up for Bethany, and this sends Beth through the fucking roof. Absolutely. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything, says Sean. You think? Yeah. So. I, people on this show just cannot keep their mouths shut. You mean Sean? No, no. Mostly Sean. People. Always Sean? People. Because later on, it's other people. Kathy is hiding out at the flower shop when Liz comes in. Liz has just spoken to Andy in Spain. Oh, Andy gets a mention this week, who has suggested that she jumps on the next plane to fly out. And Tracy mentions that she'd kill to get away from all this, which has sent chills down my spine that Tracy's going to kill again. Yeah, well, I, I, Liz got a phone call from Andy, and it really confused me because she said, like, buenos dias, sweetheart. And I thought she was talking to Steve, and I was like, wait, is Steve in Spain? Is that where he's been all this time? <laughs> where he should be, you know, supporting his wife and his wife's family during this time. But no, it's Andy, so we still don't know where Steve has been hiding out. I was very confused we- about where Steve was for long periods, but he apparently was there, but just... Can't just- be bothered. They seem to have staggered their time off. Weirdly. Weirdly. So that Tracy's there and then Steve's not and then Steve's there and Tracy's it's not. It's always kind of weird though because there there have been other times that people that you would think would be there aren't there. I don't know. It's weird. The whole thing is weird. Bethany sees Daniel and Bertie in the community garden. She thanks him for earlier. And she instead wa- of just walking away. Correct. Instead of just keep on walking and don't say anything, you're already in enough trouble. No, you have to go in there and sit right next to him. What is wrong with you? Do you want your great-grandmother to call you a stupid girl again? Because you are. So much clipping going on. <sighs> She thanks him for earlier. She wants to be there for him, but knows that they can't be friends, and that's fine. It's so unfair that Sinead is dead, she says finally. Daniel starts crying, and she sits and puts an arm around him. And Stupid. Beth, and Beth walks by and sees this. Can't you wait until your wife is cold on the ground? Stitch this, you prick, she says, and she slaps Daniel's jaw. Tells that him fun. that he doesn't deserve anything, and storms off just as Billy shows up. Yeah. Then in the rovers. Mac and Daniel was very satisfying. Liz explains to Jenny... I'm not sure why, about the Spanish thing and how she wants to ask Tracy along with her. Jenny isn't sure, but Liz doesn't think Tracy's handling the Sinead thing well. Really? Well, apparently she's not. Apparently she's not. She seems really bummed. Yeah, but there's there's been bummed and there's been not handling things well. I think maybe she feels a little bad because she was always quite rude to Sinead. But then again, she's quite rude to everyone. To everybody, yeah. Gail and Audrey are at the Rovers and Audrey asks after the funeral arrangements and Peter suggests that Bethany maybe should stay at home. So Gail asks how many marriages Peter has broken up, not to mention his bigamy. And Adam thinks that she's on to something. <laughs> that was funny, I <laughs> that liked was that. Daniel's been a dick to Billy and he admits that Beth is right. He can't forgive himself regardless if Sinead was able to. Everyone despises him and all he can hear are whispers about that fellow who cheated on his dying wife. But Billy has an idea. And that idea is to run away. Billy catches up with Beth in Kirk and Roy's roles. She's in no mood to be handing out forgiveness, she says. Then Bethany comes in and Beth calls her a vulture in skinny jeans. 
I liked that. Do you know, Beth has been getting some stick on the Twitter this week for her reactions to, to this. I think she's been fucking brilliant. I th- yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't name the show the show this week, Vulture and Skinny Jeans. I'd already captured the sound clip for whatever I'm calling it. Something about... Oh, oh. Ke- Kebab Casanova. Okay, yeah. Uh, so Beth A runs out. line that I hate. And Beth is in no mood to take any pish from anyone today. Good on you, Beth. Absolutely. Daniel and Bertie show up at number one. Peter and Adam offer to take turns staying with him for a few weeks, but there's no need, says Daniel. Me and Bertie are fucking off for a bit. Then the rovers list has asked Tracy Wayne holiday. Haven't I suffered enough? asked Tracy. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> they wouldn't make it to Spain, she says. They'd end up fighting on the plane. And Liz insists that they can get on. And Tracy says, no, she can't leave Daniel. Then Liz points out that Daniel has lots of people around him and that's enough to swing it. What could possibly go wrong? Asks Jenny. That was funny too. So Daniel's Jenny was quite good this week as well. Being, really I found her quite annoying. Being like the, the quirky kind of barmaid who, you know, she's the Greek chorus this week. She says what we're all thinking. Right. You know, and it was good. I, I like it when she's used this way and not in ridiculous ways. Daniel is off to Scotland, just like he and Sinead planned to do. Adam wonders how it will look for him to go away and let other people arrange his wife's funeral. He thinks his presence is preventing Sinead's family from grieving and he can't breathe here, leaving Plus, his Sinead fall the best. Sinead already planned the funeral. All these people are so indignant that they don't get to plan the funeral. Sinead planned it already. You do what Sinead wanted to do. End of. It looks terrible that he's gone away. It does look terrible that he's going away. <laughs> so, but it it also it also kind of makes sense. It looks terrible, but it makes sense because now people can focus. Because in terms of the the storyline, she died yesterday. Yeah. And she died yesterday evening. Yeah. She's probably not been dead for twenty four hours, and he's off to Scotland. Yeah. Mm. Well, not great. No. no. Tracy turns up to say cheerio to Daniel just before she fucks off too. Where's Steve at this point? Why is Steve not... Anyway. Why uh, does Liz not think that maybe her son would like to go with her to see his twin brother? Right. And off he goes and Beth sees this and is appalled that he's going off with Bertie. Total prick, she says. In the rovers, Jenny tries to paint a better picture for Beth. Maybe it's for the best. Beth really liked Daniel. Daniel? asks Kirk, incredulous. <laughs> and Beth says she's the godmother and Bertie is the only thing she has left from Sinead. No. And that's where we finish that storyline for yeah. this week. I was glad this was only for Monday. Yeah, yeah, I was glad that we, we move. And this is why I really don't mind so much Daniel going away to Scotland, even though it looks bad. It gives us, the viewers, a break from that storyline as well. There was an awful lot of it in the last couple of weeks. Right. It was kind of... We all needed a break. A bit saturated in Daniel and Sinead. And Daniel on his own isn't no. isn't better. No, it's worse. <laughs> Much worse. <laughs> Much worse. So, yeah, let's get rid of them for a few days. So he's going to kind of go off the rails a little bit, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, which means lots of pretending that Daniel's drinking whiskey straight from the bottle and all that and fun vodka. stuff. Right. The body. <laughs> Passing out next to canals. Right. All night, by the looks of things, wasn't it? Right, yeah, because he was well, like... he got a full night's sleep. 
Right. <laughs> By the canal. Right. <laughs> well, well, women on their Hindus go woohoo walking over a bridge above right. him. Which was a weird which was a weird detail last week, wasn't it? Stay classy, Manchester. He looked up and there are these women with weird headbands and stuff on their head night. I thought that was just such an odd detail last week and we didn't get around to talking about it. Do you think Beth's uh, indignance is going to last until until Daniel's back? She has nothing to, to shout at until he comes back, well, I guess. Except for Bethany. Oh, yeah, she can make her life hell. Right, yeah. Which is, it, it really is unfair because Bethany's not the one who's, mar- who's married to someone who's dying. And yet everybody seems to want to place more blame on her than on Daniel when Daniel's the one whose wife is dying and Daniel is older and Daniel is not someone who was traumatized sexually by somebody older than herself and maybe has issues pertaining to that. You know, I it's really unfair. And I, I really liked that one bit where Shona shouts over at them and says, Oi, maybe the one you should be yelling at is Daniel, not Bethany. Bethany's the one who has to live on the street until she leaves. Right. <laughs> you know? She was warned, though. She was warned by, by at least grand. Audrey. Yeah. She knew that she had feelings for him. She apparently loves him. She chose not to keep her distance. In fact, she chose to do the opposite and chased after him. So she was... Yeah, and that thing in the community garden this week, it was just like, what are you doing? Right. Why go in there? Why sit down next to him? Why put your armor on him? You know you've been made a pariah on the street. You know everybody thinks you're a slut. Why give them more fodder for that? Right, so the whole... Because she's last week. emotionally immature. Yeah, so does she have to take some responsibility for that? I think she probably does. Not as much as him, though. No. So maybe shout 60% at him and 40% at her. Right, but that's, that doesn't seem to be the percentage going on. And it's going... if, if Now that he's gone, the only pr- person that people have to yell at is her. Right, so him leaving is going to make things worse. Yeah. Probably. Well done, Daniel. Yeah. And Beth was right, you are a total prick. And what does this mean for her her pretend relationship with James? Oh, we're just forgetting nobody, all about that, aren't we? Nobody nobody has said, you know don't you have enough with your James, your boyfriend. Remember your boyfriend James, who you're pretending is your boyfriend? Yeah. So that nobody finds out he's gay? Yeah, that's working well. Because everyone on the street knows of it, the Daniel thing. Right. And I bet it, you it's not going to get mentioned. I bet you. It's just going to be skimmed over. Okay, let's move on. Our next storyline tonight is Quads Out. Do you think they sit there, sit around a table and say, what's the most ridiculous situation we can put Gemma and Chesney in? This is not a slapstick comedy. This is not... This is not a sit. This isn't Friends. This isn't Seinfeld. This isn't 
the office. This isn't... Well done, I'm thinking of three <laughs> funny things. Only two of which are funny. Right, yes. You know... And only if you're talking about the UK office. Oi! You, you be kind to the US office. Nope. You haven't watched enough of it yet. It gets better. This isn't Parks and Rec. How's that? Okay. You, you get the office you deserve. I pick the US office over the UK office every day of the week. Sorry. That's so wrong. I prefer Steve Carell to... Anyway. What's his name? But anyway. It's just... You know, one of the things one of the things that I disagreed with with Scott last week is, you know, how he's saying that this We're talking is, again about disagreeing with Scott. Well, be, because it's it's relevant to this <laughs> in that one of the things that he was saying is that Corey should just stick to Corey and not try to do these things that newer, younger, hipper soap operas like Hollyoaks, yeah, are are, are doing and stuff. And I kind of disagree with that because there are lots of people like me watching Corey that don't remember what it was like 20, 30, 60 years ago. Right. <laughs> no. Right. So it's, it's fine. But when it comes to throwing everything about soap operas out and trying to insert a situational comedy into it and making it just absolutely ridiculous... To be fair, there are soap operas that have done absolutely ridiculous things. There are U.S. soap operas that have done absolutely ridiculous things with aliens and chimpanzees and, and stuff. Oh, and but, Eastern <laughs> European terrorists at a wedding. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> sure. But And whole seasons that were dreams. Right, yeah. You know, it's just, I'm a little bit tired of Gemma storylines being so stupid and let's let's try to make it funny but doing it in such an overt way that it becomes not funny along the other side remember the whole camper thing yeah but i think this is what they're doing with they're doing this with Gemma because it's Gemma. so if another character was who was the last character that was pregnant of course Sinead. right so Sinead's not going to have her baby stuck in a cable car that's that's just not going to happen. No. But when you read Gemma's going to have her baby in a cable car, you go, yeah, I could have guessed that. No. Of course of course she is. Although Coronation Street does I have was... a history of having uh, people giving birth in unusual places. Leanne gave birth in a lift. Well, that's that's a little bit more believable than a cable car. I think Sally was in the back of a taxi. Oh, that happens all the time. Only on TV though, right? No. No, Pastor Nathan, remember? His his wife gave birth in the back of uh, the uh, cab and he had to help with the delivery and everything. Uh. But I, they were doing such a good job making the squad story kind of serious and kind of focusing on, well, we don't know if they're all going to survive and everything else and... The, the Paul stuff was serious and Gemma was a part of that and everything. And and they were kind of leaving a lot of the zany stuff to Bernie, which made sense and gave the Gemma's character some breathing room. But it was just, it was so ridiculous. And, and 
realistically, one of those babies should have died. But anyway, let's talk about it. Yeah, this is normally stuff that we talk about at the end of... I know, but I just, I'm sorry. I had to go on this rant, and I will rant further when we get to some of the stuff. Don't feel like you have to. Well, I do. On Monday, Fizz goes round to comfort Chez. Gemma reminds him that Bertie and the Quads will be at Bessie Street together, and she and Fizz bury the hatchet, whatever the hatchet was all about. The house is full of free stuff and Bernie misjudges the room and then wonders how she can blag a seven-seater minivan and that she's given an exclusive interview to a magazine later. It's that hiya again. Hiya! At Roy's Rolls, Liz and Aggie think the interview is awful. They've read it in the, in the magazine. And Bernie insists that she has a knack for this thing. She's building a brand. Then the hiya woman is round to see Chesney to give him a right to reply. They've, point, they've painted him to be a bit of a love rat. A kebab Casanova, if you will, thanks to Bernie Winter. Chez says it was just a hug, so Haya want to set the record straight. Then Chez and Gemma throw the woman out, and Chez shows Gemma the article, and she's not best pleased. And Chez says to the woman, look, one of my best friends just died. Right. Can you please get out of my house? And the journalist is a journalist and doesn't care. No, it was awful. Then Benny comes back, who's died, she says. <laughs> Gemma can't believe Bernie repays Chez's generosity like this Bernie says it was brand building Chez has had enough and goes to work and then Gemma sacks Bernie as her PR guru she's off the gravy train so Fizz catches up with Chez at the kebab shop she tells him not to pay any heed to the opinions of folk who don't matter Fizz is too nice to him and he starts to cry he reveals that he wants Gemma back he's never stopped loving her they get each other he says do they? apparently they do and, how, also, how? <laughs> and also the whole Sinead thing has made him realise that life is too short. He'd rather be with Gemma than die alone, basically. Fist <laughs> thinks this is great and agrees to look after Joseph later because presumably he's going to get on the, the bandwagon for this tonight. Cathy comes back and agrees to take over the shift, so everything's in the clear for, uh, for Chesney to, to get, propose. Right. Or is it? Or is he? Chesney comes home to see Gemma working out on her pregnancy ball and she gets tired and gets him to take over. That was quite amusing. That was funny. He has something to talk to her about. He wants to take her out for dinner and she's singularly unimpressed by this. Then fizzes round and sees Gemma and tries to get her to take this thing with Chesney seriously. But before she gets anywhere, Gemma is suddenly sure that she's in labour again. And so Ches gets to the hospital uh, to find Gemma, but it's just twinges again. Everything's fine. And Bernie appears saying Gemma needs her mum at a time like this. At home, Gemma's worried that she's going to be the worst mum ever and she goes off for a lie down, scuppering Chessie's plans. He's never been sure, though, that Gemma is the one for him. He's going to propose tomorrow. That scene with Fizz and Gemma was really nice, I thought, where Fizz is brushing her hair while she sits on the exercise ball and stuff. And I thought that was just a nice, quiet scene with, with two characters we don't see together right. very often. And we should because it's Chesney's... Lady friend and Chesney's sister, so right. you sometimes forget that they're siblings. Yeah, Fizz and Ches share so little screen time together. I know, which is weird. Considering they live in the same street. And <laughs> they're siblings. Right. On Wednesday, for whatever reason, the press have camped outside Gemma's house and receive a piece of Evelyn's mind for their bother. Chesney blames Bernie, then Bernie blames Ches, and Gemma's head's done in with it all, but she says she's looking forward to the gas in the air after all this time off the booze. Ches asks if she's up for a cheeky road trip, and they agree to go to Hlandidno. 
And as this is happening, Gemma is dipping her toast in butter and then dipping her buttery toast in jam. Lovely stuff. For a second there, I thought you said you were. she was sticking her toes in butter. Toast. Yeah. Toes would have been way grosser, especially with jam. So they're wondering how they're going to get out of the house and Chiz, Chiz, Chiz phones Fizz. Chiz is the Chiz. combination of two. Or it could be Fez. And asks for her help to distract the paps. Fizz leads uh, Bernie out of the house and she's under a blanket while the paps chase after her. And this is leaving the coast clear for Chez and Gemma to have their day out to Chlandidno. You pronounce that quite well. Thank you. They talk about their shit holidays with their parents and promise to do better by their own kids. So Gemma and Chez are in Wales. Suddenly. Just like that. Well, how far is it from Manchester to Wales? It's a two-hour drive from Manchester to Chlandidno. Chez is on one knee and is about to propose when some kids kick a ball that hit Gemma on the head and she gets gobby and the moment's gone. Yes, after after they were going to do it in the pub that her mom used to take her, but that pub has been shut down right. and that pub gets shut down in the UK apparently. Every, every hour or something. Every day. And Gemma worries that there'll be no pubs left then. <laughs> and the pubs get shut down on Christmas. Right. And so Chesney's got to point out that I think this is just on the average. Right. Yeah. Gemma sees the cable cars and thinks that they're dead romantic. Chez is about to propose again, but Gemma wants to ride that fucking cable car. So get off your arse and let's get moving. But Chez doesn't like the cable car. I don't like cable cars. I think he just doesn't like heights. He you doesn't like heights. You don't like heights. I'm not I'm not great on heights, but I'm much, much worse on cable cars. I went on a cable car up to the top of Mount Tidy on Tenerife. I bet you'd be a disaster yeah. on like a ski lift. Well, this is... Pretty much what that was. It swayed about yep. way too much for my liking. Were your feet dangling in the air? Oh, no. But it was one of those... The way that it was hanging on to the cables, like one of those wee... It wasn't... I'm, I'm, I'm motioning like milking a cow for some reason. It's I, not one of the milking the cow ones. Well, you don't milk It was one with a kind of hook over it. Well, yeah, there's, there's a hook over it, but... In a ski lift, it's just basically a seat where oh, no, you just it wasn't sit. That. But I would be terrible on that, yeah. Yeah, you, you'd be horrible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't enjoy that at all. Remember, remember when, uh, when we were in Montana and there's that, that we were at Glacier and there's that one hike that's like right on a cliff, like it's the ledge. And I said, do you want to go do that? And you said, no fucking way. No fucking way, man, do not. No chance. So Gemma thinks that he sucks the fun out of everything and at this, Chez pulls out his ring. But not like that. <laughs> Marry me, he says. And she's smiling, but before she can answer, the car goes over a pylon and the ring bounces out and away. Of course it does. But that's the least of Chez's bother because Gemma's waters break. Of course they do. Rather visually. But visually in a way that TV does it because it's never like that. Right, a little bit messier in real life, I think. In real life. And she And your waters don't always break. And she's ready to have them quads. My water's broken in an elevator. For some reason Chez pulls the emergency cord on the cable car, which is not the best idea, but he thought it was because an emergency. She it needs is. a fucking ambulance. Right, yeah, but that, that just for some reason stops it. Right. Which is Which is what the emergency cord does. Right. 
But he wasn't thinking. Chess has phoned 999. The ambulance is on the way and the cable car people are working on it. They tell Gemma to get as close to the floor as possible, something that she finds quite difficult to do. The 999 operator, I'm, I'm laughing at this more as I'm reading it than I did when I was watching it. I think I just kind of stared at it with an arched eyebrow most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 999 operator continues to talk Chess through this and he takes off his jacket to break the fall and he has a shifty up Gemma's floof and the head's poking out. Push, Jimmy says. Push for the head. And just like that, one baby is born. It's a boy. And only one. The car gets to the station and Gemma is handed off to the ambulance crew. In the ambulance, the next baby is looking like it's breaching. They try to slow things down until they can get to the hospital and do a C-section. And they get to the hospital and Gemma tells Chez to go with the baby to neonatal and he tells her that he loves her. Gemma has successfully given birth to the other three kids. Yeah. Get in, says Chez. And he really does say that. He does. He does. They put her all the way to sleep. Right. That's not how it. Ha- that's not. That's not. That's not what happens. They put part of your body to sleep, but they keep the top part of your body awake during the C-section. I was awake during both of my C-sections. They just they they insert a needle in your spine. That's a local anesthetic. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's... Anesthetic? Yeah, anesthetic. Yeah, but they put her all the way to sleep, which is dangerous. But it's Gemma. It doesn't matter. It's still dangerous. Of course you'd put her to fucking sleep. You want her to shut up. And they they tell Chesney he can't come, but typically dads are there at the head helping the mum because the mum's body is freaking out because half of it's... Because your brain is freaking out because you're awake, but it can't feel the rest of your body, so you try to throw up. But you can't throw up because your stomach's not reacting to anything because it's asleep. When uh, Nicola Thorpe's character. So Nicola, when she was having her baby, uh-huh. remember she had, was it Zach? She had Zach by C-section. And wasn't Eileen there? Yeah. I think Eileen was there and she was talking to Nicola as it was going on. Right, yeah. So anyway, it's two boys and two girls and they're all fine. And Rita... Yeah, all of that, all of that, all of that stress and all of that talk of one may not make it and (laughs) one smaller than the others and everything else. No, they're all fine. I mean, they're all in incubators, but nobody's saying, well, this one is having trouble passing their, you know, their first poo, which is always a very stressful thing. And um, uh, all this other stuff, nobody's saying, well, there's a bit of jaundice in this one. Nobody is... Saying, well, this one's got wet lungs, or nothing is wrong with these babies. These babies are fine, Helen. That's Something okay. should be wrong with one of these babies. I think it's quite a relief that nothing's wrong with any of them for but a change. Statistically, oh, even statistically, with twins, even even with twins, there's tip it, with preemies. There's always something wrong. There's a run. That's good enough. <laughs> They're all fine, and Rita, Fizz, Bernie, and Paul arrive at the hospital. Rather in, anticlimactically. In, in Wales. That's two hours away. Right. Chess shows him photos from his phone and explains about the proposal and losing the ring, and Bernie looks like she has an idea. So Chess. <laughs> <laughs> what was that again? So Chess and Fizz see Gemma, and she's a bit pale, and in comes Bernie, and somehow. Somehow she's found the ring box and she palms it off to Chez. So she managed to go to that cable car, go to that little patch of ground where Chez 
showed the photograph mm-hmm. and found this ring box. Well, it would be what? a little red thing and a patch of green. Who knows? It's a nice touch. I thought maybe she just went and bought a new one. That would be better. That would be much right. easier to believe. Gemma's thinking about naming the kids North, South, East and Allen. <sighs> but she's changing her mind now that they're Welsh. Instead, they're naming them after the crew who helped them. Which is nice. Bryn, Chrio, Keris, and Alad. They're the most Welsh names ever. Yes. But they're pronouncing the Cleo one as Cleo. Yeah. Which, which is fine. It's just going to annoy every Welsh person in the world. Right. Well, I think most of the Mostly Welsh in Wales. Pe- I think most of the Welsh people were annoyed because half of those people in that hospital didn't have Welsh accents, and <laughs> also because those the Corey characters when Gemma said something about the fact that she was going to give them all Welsh names were cracking jokes about vowels. Right. I think that annoys the Welsh people more. Hlinded knows North Wales though, which tends to have a more kind of scouse influence on it. Still. Ches and Gemma go to see the babies in the incubators. Uh, they think they're a great team together and she says yes to, to his proposal. And, and, and Gemma's standing up. She's not in a wheelchair. She's not weak. She, first of all, her body wouldn't have woken up yet. She would still be prone with a, a um, catheter and everything for like the first 24 hours. She would not be up. She'd be in a wheelchair with like her catheter bag hung on the side of the wheelchair and everything. She'd still have an IV. She's had three sections. Three kids are brutal. Hauled out of her guts. And she's pushed one of them out of her floof. And she's up and walking about like nothing's happened. And I mean, literally out of her guts. <laughs> because they have to move your organs out of the way to get to the baby. It's not like you just cut somebody open and there's a baby. Come on, Helen. This is a family fucking podcast. Here. Oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Seriously. it's 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 been... A pet peeve of mine from time immemorial, how TV shows constantly get C-sections wrong and make it seem like it's so easy. It's not. I'd, I've, I would much rather do it naturally. I did it naturally once and C-section twice. I'd much rather natural all the way. So she says yes and she slips his ring on her finger but not like that. And they smooch while all the babies vomit at the same time. Also, farm- also farting. There's a lot of gas stored up in your body. So you would have to be walking and passing gas constantly to build up your strength after a C-section. You'd think that they okay. would be making a lot it's, of fart jokes. We, 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 get, we get the idea. Fart jokes. It was they unrealistic. missed an opportunity. On Thursday, Gemma wakes up and Ches is asleep with his head against the window of the room. And she sneaks out without waking him, but looks dead chuffed at a ring. Okay. She and goes to see her new wee clan, who are all in incubators, and a realisation seems to hit her. And later she's having problems expressing milk and she wants to go home, but it'll be a couple of days yet. The nurse and Ches tell her not to worry, she's doing great, and then Ches buggers off to make sure that Joseph's getting his five baths a day. Gemma wants to go outside and the nurse suggests going out the back as the press are hanging out in the front. 
Chesney has brought Joseph into the hospital to meet his new brothers and sisters. Allard is the runt of the litter, and Joseph doesn't seem too interested in his new siblings, Let's and not. instead goes off to get some crisps. Let's not call him a runt. His name's Allard. He's call the him smallest. a runt's not much worse. What? He's the smallest. He's not a runt. On Friday, Gemma can go home, but the babies need to stay in Wales for now. See, the Welsh do that. No, they, they keep is, the babies. They like is, keeping a hold of the babies. This this is typical. Joseph's, Although typically a hospital will have a, like a family room where you can stay. That's not like a hospital room. Joseph still isn't interested in the babies, and then Kathy and Bernie burst in with some prezies. Gemma's not in a good mood and snaps at Jess when he makes a joke about her dribbling. Bernie has a scheme to sort out this problem about travelling between Weatherfield and Wales. And because oh, what happened? was there some roadworks or some problems that made it was taking longer to travel but I can't more remember. than two hours so Kathy is memorising babies she cheated by looking at them online and she shows Gemma that the babies now have Instagram accounts this is Bernie's doing Gemma is fucking fuming plus she's ready to burst into tears all the time Bernie and Chez have found a hostel that they can stay in but not that kind of hostel it's close by and it's cheap Gemma is far from and happy no about this died in it. and can't cope and she bursts into tears and waddles off Chess and Bernie chase after her, leaving Cathy to put his own... Her leaving, own thinking cap le- on. Yes, leaving Cathy to put her own scheme into action. Gemma has locked herself in the bogs, and Cathy turns up and says that she's solved everything. She's got them a room at a Swish three-star hotel. She spoke with the manager, and they've got the room for free for as long as they want, so long as the hotel can use the quad's photos for promotional purposes. Bernie claims that this was her plan all along. Was it? Was it really no. Bernie? So in the lovely also, ho- three star. Again, she couldn't find Gemma. a four star. Again, Gemma. Like, in the lovely hotel room, which isn't mm, all that lovely, Joseph has finally come round and is interested in seeing the babies after all. And this is after Ches tells him that he's going to be their hero. And later at the hospital, Joseph comforts a crying Alad, and Gemma loves them all being together. And the boys say that they're all in this together, one for all, and all that pish. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Ugh. We've kind of, I think, murdered this storyline already, haven't we? Well, you have, certainly. Yeah. Go go, go read up on C-sections before you write another one. Before I write another what? C-section. Not you. The writers of the show. Oh, okay. Need to learn that you're not popping up right after a C-section. No, just like you're not riding a bike home. It takes That's a long smart, time for your body to wake back up. Our next storyline uh, tonight is David's going down on Monday. Gail but not like that. But not like that. Well. No, not let's, like that. Yeah, let's, hope, let's hope so. On Monday, Gail is speaking to Shona about Marion, and she's here to ease Shona's burden. That's nice of you, Gail. In the Rovers, Gail explains to Audrey about David in jail, Shona falling apart, and Audrey explains that not only that, Max is off his drugs and is selling them at school. G&T, lovey? <laughs> <laughs> And Gail apparently hadn't heard that part because right. she looked shocked. David is with Imran in an interview room. The police show him the mobile footage. David says that he was trying to protect Josh and the cops don't believe him. And Imran says that his client is innocent. What about this Abe and Tez characters? David shrugs. How's he supposed to know? He reckons it was someone else. Supposition, says Imran. Bollocks, says the cops. And at home, Gail insists that she's Can a Can we talk about the video? Because they show him the video, right? The video of him, of Josh staggering out of the cell and then David falling at the back. And them insisting that that is proof that David David did it. Well, it's proof that they were in the cell together. It doesn't prove that 
he stabbed him, which is why well, Imran says supposition. Right, yeah, but they're implying that it does. However, there's no blood on David. There's no blood on David. If David had just stabbed somebody, there would be blood on David. There'd be blood on his clothes. There'd be blood on his hands. Even if he was in the room, you'd think there'd be some blood on him. There's no... He's completely clean. Although it looks like I was wrong. It wasn't Josh who stabbed himself after all. Yeah, supposedly Tez and Abe did it. Right. Because they're criminal masterminds. So how did they get out of the room unseen? Well, I don't even know why David came out. Who... I want to know who's who was videotaping and why David didn't react to the guy videotaping. Right. Who's recording this? Who in the middle of a prison riot has their phone out and is recording something? Is David being set up here? Oh, maybe. That's a bit of an interesting angle. I don't think they're going for that, but it would be an no. interesting angle. At home, Gail insists that she's a different woman. Audio wonders if she's a pirate now, judging by the pants that she's wearing. And her braid. Gail, oh God, that braid. Gail knows what's important now. She's not about to let this family go under. On Wednesday, Sally and Gail are speedwalking, talking about elephants. She says she comes. She came back because her family needed her. She can't believe how much worse things have gotten since she left. Then Shona gets a call from the bistro. And Sally very nicely doesn't doesn't mention Bethany. The balance for the wedding is due today, right now in fact. Sarah doesn't think David getting out is anything like guaranteed, but Gail thinks cancelling would be a signal that she's given up on him. And Rose rolls a bearded Nick. A bearded Nick. A very bearded Nick. Oh. As Chant was shown her when she gets a text from Imran, David has been charged with attempted murder and the maximum sentence is life. That must have been a strange text to get. Oh, it's Imran. He says that David's been charged with attempted murder and the maximum sentence is life. Oh, that's a, that's a lovely text. I quite like the beard. Yeah, I think he suits it. Yay. Just she, like you. She urges Nick to bury the hatchet and help David. At the Rovers, Gail is badgering Nick about not being there for David, and Gail insists that she's not given up on him, unlike Nick and Sarah. That's, that's not fair. <laughs> it's nice from the person who's just spent the last two months in Thailand. Right, yeah. It's, it's, it's not fair because I don't think Sarah has given up. Nick has probably given up on him, but that's because Nick is feeling guilty because Nick's the one who should be in prison. Correct. Gail runs into Nick at Roy's Rolls and tells him to be at number eight later tonight or else. So later at number eight, Gail with a braid is convening a f- meeting of the family. Audrey isn't ready to forgive Nick, and Gail talks about Deepwater Horizon for some reason and thinks it's better if the family bury their issues with each other. That was an interesting conversation <laughs> too. There was that oil spill somewhere off of America. <laughs> Audrey can't forget. <laughs> off the coast they of made America. A movie. They made a movie about it. Off the coast of America. Audrey can't forget, and Gail wonders if remembering is better or brings happiness. <laughs> How zen, says Nick, and Gail agrees and feels better for that knowledge. She doesn't want the family to fall apart. They're all each other. Has. Or have. Have? Has. Has. Whatever. On Thursday, David is lying awake on his bed looking pensive. Abe comes in and tells David to stick to the story, and it seems to come out that Abe and Tez were responsible for the stabbing. He tells David that if he doesn't stick to the story, that's when bad things can happen. So all of a sudden, Abe, who was kind of this low-life, kind of weakling, who didn't seem to really even have much to do with this Tez character, he's now all of a sudden like the mob boss of the prison. Right. Strange. 
Nick and Shona join Sarah and Gail in the gallery at the court. Nick is Mr Negative, offering his help in cancelling the wedding arrangements. The charges are read out and Abe, Tess and David all plead not guilty and the court now has to decide whether David gets bail. Edmund argues that David has been a model prisoner and Josh should never have been put in the same jail and David is due to get married and pleads for leniency. Good job, Imran. Yeah, that's, 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 the whole, the fact that Josh was even put in that jail is such a bad thing. The judge agrees mistakes were made, but it's a serious charge and so, nah, he can keep his arse in jail until the trial. And David mouths an apology to Shona. They should at least, like, put him in a different part of the jail from Abe and Tez. Something should be done to protect him. Right. But nothing is done to protect him. Back in the cells, David tells Imran that Tez and Abe were responsible. Imran wants to grasp them up, but David won't hear it. He saved Josh's life. That's got to count for something once Josh wakes up. So David calls Shona. He tells her that he loves her and swears that he didn't touch Josh. It was another two inmates and snitches get stitches, etc. And David breaks down. He's afraid to tell the truth and he hangs up. Then Imran turns up at number eight with news. Josh has woken up and the police are with him now. And Gail and Shona are excited that the truth will finally get out now. <sighs> in the hospital, Josh is ready to talk to the police. And he tells them that David was the one who stabbed him. David Platt. It was all David Platt. David Platt did this. Oh, and I'm blind again. And they're treating him so kindly. See, when Josh isn't raping people, he's typically in a coma, isn't he? <laughs> For as or long blind. as he's been in the show. He's either blind raping or in a coma. I... And once again... It's a good name for a band, that. Once again, it's like, oh, poor Josh. You know, the police are so kind to him. Like, oh, take your time, son. It's all right. It's all right. You were in there for attempted rape, but... Right. (laughs) On Friday then, Shona reminds us all what's been going on by having a weird conversation with Maria in the middle of the street. In prison, Abe fills... I've written Kez this time. In prison, Abe fills David and Tez in on what Josh has said. It seems Josh never mentioned Abe or Tez to the police, uh, and they don't say whether David was mentioned or not. Emran is with David and asks if David has been straight with him because Josh is saying that he was responsible. David is outraged, and Imran thinks Josh is stitching him up about the rape thing. Right, yeah, because he's the only... One who is testifying against him in the... Rape case? What rape case? Was it a rape case? There, there was, but they threw it out. But somebody else, the whole reason why Josh is there is because somebody else accused him of rape. Right. So there's somebody else out there. One would think. Ch- Shona is in visiting David and, advise, and advises that he speaks to the <sighs> governor. That won't work, says David. She needs him out, and the kids need him out. They're getting married next week, and he's not cancelling the date. And she's not cancelling the date, even though he thinks she probably should. She tells him he needs to grass up, and he needs to do it quick. And Abe watches on, interested. Mm-hmm. So David tells Abe and Tez about Josh pinning the blame on him, and they could not give a solitary fuck, and they leave him to it. And then David speaks to the guard and quietly asks if he can actually go and speak to the governor after all, thanks. Seriously, it's like... They did this whole thing where they're like, no, 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 you have to kill him and let's do this and let's do that and oh, we're so supportive of you and oh, don't worry about it. And then once it's it's him getting the blame pinned on, they're like, oh, nothing we can do. Right. Yeah. This, this, something smells here. Shona is in the rovers making wedding plans. 
Gail has spoken to Inman and doesn't think that Shona should be wasting her time because there's no way in the or world money. that David's getting out. Then Jenny tries to pressure Shona into booking their new room for the night. Shona is non-committal and then goes off to arrange the menu for this wedding that's definitely happening next week. Abe and Tez intercept David on his way to see the governor and strong-arm him into keeping his mouth shut. Yeah, because apparently these guys are the strong-arm type. Abe is suddenly threatening people. Tez can totally handle himself. Yeah, and and yet it's Abe who does all the talking. Or most of the talking. Mostly. Tez does. Abe is the one who says, you know, we're going we're gonna to go after your, your pretty little fiancé and your kids. What are your kids' names again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what can you do? You're in prison. Shut up. So back home, Shona gets a call from David. He explains that he can't go through with this grassing up thing. It's too risky. And Shona, who's got wedding fever, can't accept this. Gail quietly tells Shona that she has to face the possibility that David will be locked up for a very long time and she has to think about her own life. She's welcome to stay and be a part of the family, but in the circumstances, she's under no obligation to do so. Shona insists that she's this in it for the, for the long haul and Gail says, 15 years without getting your hole and looking after somebody else's kids? Yeah, you maybe want to think about that. This is Gail, <laughs> well who, in the beginning of the, sh- in the, beginning of the show family today... Together. Keeping this family together, I've always considered you a second daughter. You're a member of this family just as much as everybody else. End of the show, eh, if you decide to bugger off and have sex with somebody else. Fine by me. It's okay. Nobody will blame you for deserting these children when you are one of the only parents they've really ever known. Apart from that time last week when you were drunk for like an entire episode. Well, for 15 minutes of an episode. Mothers are allowed to go drinking every once in a while. Is David getting out? He has to get out one way or the other because he's not leaving the show. He's not in it for 20 years. No, definitely not. He's not leaving the show, so something's going to happen. I genuinely don't know. I have read no spoilers. I have no idea what's happening. I know. It's amazing. I keep reading all these other stupid spoilers, which I don't think are going to happen, and some that are going to happen, but it's been very low key they've been keeping quite stoom about about this whole thing but he's got to get out because he's not leaving the show he's he's like an institute you know he's one of the at this point he's been in the show so long i can't imagine the street without david you know it's i don't know well, it's one of the longest seven cast members i think absolutely he's one of the few that's kept his role from childhood onward what we do know, though, is that Julia Goulding, who plays Shona... Will be leaving briefly. ...is pregnant. Yes, she'll be leaving... So she'll be leaving for... Four months. ...for some reason. Reasonably soon? Yes, because she's supposed to be having this baby before the end of the year. Right. And there's only two months left of the year. So whether she's doing that with David in jail or with David out of jail, who knows? But that's all that we do know. Yeah. I hope he gets out, but I can't see him getting out next week. No. They're not just going to suddenly find some evidence and then, oh, well, that's fine, you can go after it all. Then again, things like that do happen. That's definitely going to happen. Look at at how quickly the whole Marion thing got wrapped up. Yeah, I was wondering about that, if that's really wrapped up or something's going to come back and, and bite out that, but I can't imagine what. No. Okay, let's move on. Yes. Our next storyline is Evelyn's Eyes. 
Evelyn's got her eyes out on her wee family yeah, this does. week. That's quite adorable. On Monday at home, Tyrone is gagging for his hole, but Fizz has to look after Joseph. He promises to be quick, but then that bint Jade, that bint Jade comes in and the moment passes. I feel bad for seeing Bint now that the actress who plays her follows us. Tyrone has a has got a chippy for him and Jade, and they sit down to watch Mechanic TV, and Jade pretends to be interested and goes off to get him a beer, and they're looking a little bit too cosy together. Yeah, just a wee bit. On Wednesday at home, Evelyn is making it clear that she doesn't like Jade, and fizzes at the furniture thing when she gets a call, a troubling call, about her mum. Ty and Evelyn Evelyn are at the garage playing Desert Island Fruit. Evelyn thinks starfruit is political correctness gone mad. Is it starfruit or was it some other kind of fruit? It was a starfruit. In comes Fizz. She announces that Scylla's in hospital and it sounds like she's in a bad way. That's a good point. Chez doesn't get told this, does he? He does eventually because when Fizz comes up to Wales, Chez asks him, Oh, how's mum? Are you going to see mum? Oh, okay. Yeah, and she says, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's not nearly as as bad and i'm on my way there after here so fizz is driven from weatherfield to wales and then is coming back to weatherfield and that or no i think she's leaving from wales to visit her mom wherever her mom is where's her mom i've no idea and she's got a pack right so it's not like it's the next town over uh, back home fizz explains to the kids and jade that her mom is sick and she has to go see her and hope wants to come and storms off when she's not allowed Ruby right, wants to like, watch Ruby wants to watch TV. Granny Evelyn. <laughs> no, you know she's fine. She was just in the room. Nana Silla. T Ty says that he'll speak to the kids. Jade says that Fish should go with a clear conscience and Jade will help to take care of this family. Later, Hope has uh, taken scissors to the clothes in Fizzy's suitcase and she reveals to Jade that she thinks Hope was responsible for the fire at the factory a few weeks ago. Fizz says there's no way she can leave now. But Jade says that she has to go. Her mum's ill. She'll never forgive herself if she doesn't go. And this is enough to convince Fizz. So she's ready to go and hope is sorry for being a cow earlier. After dinner, Evelyn's off to bed with Kenneth Williams. I I love that. (laughs) That's the best. You don't even have to know who who Kenneth Williams is. Trust me, it it helps if you do. Right, but you don't even have to. Because it's just... She's so good. Jade gives Ty a prezi as a dartboard and they agree to a game after they've done the dishes, so to speak. So Ty and Jade are playing darts and he accidentally breaks one of Fizzy's favourite ornaments. Jade thinks that she oh, can fix no. it. It'll be their secret. It's her favourite figurine. <laughs> Evelyn comes down and is totally into having a game of darts and goes off to get her special glasses. Yeah, so now there's a special little secret between right. her and, and Ty. Ty. Mm-hmm. And then she has her little secrets between herself and the girls. Right. Yeah. On Thursday, and this is with added Maria and Gary, Toya catches up with Ali in Roy's roles. His hair looks different. He looks like the Joker. It does a bit. She, she asks him if he and Maria are definitely over for reals and offers her support. Yeah, yeah, I can the see stairs. it. Yep. I still want to go and see that. I do not. He insists that he's weaning himself off the drugs and he'll, be, and he'll be fine, and off he goes. Then Gary comes in and starts giving Maria some chat. Maria talks him into doing some gardening, but not like that. And this exchange is seen by Bethany, ready to stick her nose into someone else's business now. 
Bethany drops into the barbers to see what's going on between her and Gary, but Maria insists that they're just mates and she has to say this a few times before it sinks in for Bethany. And in the street later, Maria and Gary continue to flirt about chests and trunks. Along comes Tyrone, who's dead excited for Halloween, and he invites Maria and Gary to his place because Jade is throwing a party for the kids and he's got tons of booze. Evelyn's <laughs> excited to read about the quads and talks to Maria and Ty in the street about it, and it comes out when uh, Maria tells Ty that he had a lucky escape that Ty and Gemma once made it with the sex. Yes, and Evelyn is disgusted. <laughs> Just back home, Evelyn can't stop hearing her surprise at about Gemma. She just sits and stares at Ty and goes, Gemma. Really? <laughs> She's very disappointed in Tyrone. He says it was a long time ago and they were both in a bad place. Then in comes Jade dressed as a witch, which Evelyn seems to think appropriate, and she eyes Jade suspiciously. Then Michael arrives with party supplies and seems to be getting on well with Jade. Gary has turned up to the party dressed as a golden dildo, or an Oscar, whichever. <laughs> Evelyn tells him to put his trousers on, there's children present. Well, God damn it, that's another fantastic line. Right, yes, but... He's wearing a... a he's like a, a plastic a box, box or something thing, yeah. over his... But that's not what it looks like. <laughs> it looks like his junk is just really hanging there. <laughs> she then seems to play matchmaker. That's such a weird, odd, gross angle in that suit. It's like he's not even wearing undercrackers. Evelyn then seems to play matchmaker for Michael and Jade. Gary and Maria continue to flirt at the party and then Gary asks her out to lunch and Maria agrees. Michael asks Jade out to the pub, but he doesn't have quite the same luck and she knocks him back, even when Evelyn offers to look after the kids. And do the cleaning up. Then on Friday, Jade, she seemed to be helping Tyrone get a hair out of his eye or something. And then she's off with Hope to the Child Slavery Museum or something and there's shepherd's pie for later. <laughs> Ty catches up with Jade. It's only a matter of time before the Child Slavery Museum came into the podcast. Right. I should mention. It was one of the first weeks that we were here, wasn't it? So this was probably seven years ago when the kids were Very two, tiny. Or three and six, maybe, or something like that. And we were driving around... I was thinking about what else to do if we had to go, and I suggested that we go to the Child Slavery Museum, and this went down a treat... They were very excited about going to the Child, the Slavery, Child Museum, Slavery Museum, which does doesn't exist. exist. <laughs> and this joke is probably in poor taste, but... It was funny at the time. <laughs> Ty catches up with Jade and Hope at Roy's Rolls. She was bored at the museum, and Michael, from another story, ropes Hope into testing his bouncy castles. Evelyn complains to Ty about the state of the house and tells him to get a man in to get things fixed. Then along comes Michael, Jade and Hope. Evelyn tries again to set the two of them up, and this time it seems to work. Come over later, says Evelyn to Michael, and bring your toolbox. But not like that. <laughs> Michael turns up with his toolbox, and Evelyn gives him a list of things to do, which Michael is happy to take care of. And in the hallway, Jade claims that she isn't feeling great, and she calls off the date. And that's as far as we get with that one. My theory. Yes. Which I posted on Twitter this yeah, week. Yeah, and I, I wasn't quite sure what that meant. So please, tell us your theory. My theory is that Jade... If indeed uh-huh. that is her name. Okay. Is in some way related to John Stape. Who is? Who was the serial killer before Phelan and who was involved with Fizz and who is Hope's daddy. Hmm. But the two of them kind of look very similar in terms of the casting. I thought if this is what this 
is. That's a good bit of casting. Yeah, but Jade was like a teacher's assistant in this place that Hope was put in. Right. And, and how would she have known? Right, that, that's the only thing that, that makes me question myself. Because it requires an awful lot of luck and things just to fall into place. It would explain why she has sort of this weird interest in hope, but kind of wants Fizz dead. <laughs> right. Hmm. That's an interesting theory. I have no idea is if this, it's... Is, and is this why they're making hope into such a horrible child? It's because her dad is a serial killer. Correct. Yeah, because that's how it happens. Yeah, just genetics, man. Nur- nature over nurture. Right. Let's let's just ignore the fact that Hope has a happy home life right. and parents who love her. So she'll be bad because her dad was bad. I don't know. There has to be a reason that that Jade is seemingly wanting to, like you said, get rid of Fizz and either manipulate Tyrone and manipulate the family and the the situation and all that sort of stuff. There has to be a reason for it. Besides just single white female. Besides that, yeah. But again, the fact that she was a teacher's assistant in this place in Birmingham right. is kind of the spanner in the works for that. I don't know. Unless she didn't, unless she didn't know until that point. But what a coincidence that is! Well, it is a soap opera, right? But I did think, in addition to that, next year then some distant cousin of Kayla's going to turn up because Kayla was there to avenge Neil. So the cousin's going to turn up to avenge Kayla, who was turned up to avenge Neil. And then they're going to say, where's Bethany? And they're going to say, no, she left months ago. She's not here anymore. Our next storyline tonight is Tim's fucking dad. Oh, go fuck off. On Wednesday, Tim's fucking dad. Oh, this fucking pisses me off so much. (laughs) I just, I can't even watch the storyline anymore. They're in Roy's roles with Tim and Sally. They have a big announcement. Tim's fucking dad is about to make the announcement, but Jasmine butts in to tell it for him. And Tim's fucking dad isn't pleased about this. No, no. No, he keeps asking them to guess and they've been sitting there for 30 minutes and Sally's like, I've got to get to work. Right. And he's, he's still trying to build up tension and everything. And and Yasmin's just like, oh, well, this is what it is. Now, Sally, you can go off to work. Right. Because so, he's a tit. He's a big fucking tit. He's the worst human being on the planet. Sally and Tim agree to meet up with them later to celebrate. Then Tim's dad barges past Ali and Speeddal saying the new owner's coming through. Yasmin apologises for the prick, and Alia just hopes that Yasmin knows what she's doing. A speed dial, Abby and Faye have joined Sally and Tim, and Tim's dad goes off to get wine and beer, and Yasmin is instantly appalled. Alia would not approve, but Tim's dad doesn't think you need a licence for Bring Your Own. But I, I'm pretty sure that's that's not the case, that you, you still need some sort of licensing, even for Bring Your Own. Later, Tim's dad is booking himself on an expensive Californian business management course and thinks that punters should be allowed to bring their own booze in. And Yasmin looks like she's already regretting getting this prick involved in this. Seriously, because they had just gotten back together again. I, uh, I just, I hate this so much. Yep. Somebody needs to kill Tim's dad. Gary. Maybe Christmas storyline. Oh, please, please, please make it be Tim's fucking dad and not the person that everybody's speculating. Come on, Corey. Give us a Christmas present. Kill Kill Tim's Tim's dad dad. at Christmas. Kill Tim's dad. We should make this this a hashtag that goes viral. Kill Tim's dad. At Christmas. Has to be at Christmas. 
Uh, that was our penultimate storyline. Our final storyline tonight is Emma's dodgy kebab. On Friday, Toya literally bumps into Ali outside Roy's Rolls and he seems a bit weird. He blames it on a long shift and seeing somebody nearly die. Thanks very much, Toya. And then storms back into Roy's Rolls. I thought he was coming out. Anyway. Who knows? He's the Joker now. Then Steve's back. Yeah, but he doesn't explain where he's been. No, but he's in Roy's Rolls complaining about football to a disinterested Imran. In comes Michael with a brand new harebrained scheme. Buying land on the moon. Michael wants to put the Unicorn Party Dream Team back together. Steve, unusually, isn't interested. Then Michael gets a call from a bloke selling bouncy castles. It was also the bloke who was trying to sell him land on the moon. Yeah. Michael's in the barbers trying to sell Liam and Maria a bouncy castle. In comes Emma complaining about a dodgy stomach. She was out in the lash last night, but is blaming a dodgy kebab. Maria warns her not to throw a sickie, as she's supposed to cover while Maria's out on her date with Gary later. Then Gary comes into the barbers with a lovely bunch of flowers from Maria. What a lovely bunch of flowers. Do you, yeah. know, do you know who else got a lovely bunch of flowers this, this week? Me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, supposedly this, this lovely bunch of flowers only only cost him 20 quid. That looked like more than 20 quid. That's way more than 20 quid. Right. But the date is put on hold when Emma starts uh, clutching her side again. Gary doesn't think that hangovers typically do that, so he insists that they take her to the medical centre. That's exactly what a supervillain would do. Well done, Gary. Maria seems oddly pleased about this. It's like Gary's got a sensitive side or something. Gary and Emma come back from the barber's... Uh, no, from, the- from the medical centre. They need an appointment all of a sudden. And Maria, against Gary and Emma's wishes, phones Ali to see if he can help. And Ali comes round and whispers that he misses uh, Maria. And Maria says, well, you shouldn't have dumped me then, which is a fair point. He speaks to Emma, who downplays the stomachache. And Ali says it's probably just food poison. And if it gets worse, go to A&E. And he leaves without giving her an examination or anything. Which he says to Maria beforehand, you know, technically I can't really, I can't legally give her much of any medical advice because this isn't the clinic and and stuff. So I wasn't bothered by the fact that he doesn't really examine her because she downplays it. She talks about the dodgy kebab. She talks about the fact that she... She drunk too much, and Maria makes a big deal about her drinking too much more than, more than Emma does. Which you know, I'm kind of like, shut up, Maria. It's all right. Mm-hmm. You you get drunk quite a bit yourself, so pipe down, lady. So Gary's not impressed by this, and Ali's apparent disinterest in helping Emma. Maria cancels the rest of the appointments for the day and sends Emma home, but Emma's just pretending that she's not in acute pain. Ali seems to be living in Roy's roles these days, and Toya catches up with him there. Ali apologises for earlier and explains that he still has feelings for Maria. Toya tells him to come clean, but not like that. Maria and Gary's date have gone well, which means Maria now would like to get her hole, thank you very much, and they go back to hers. Ali's creepily hanging around the corner and sees this. I told you, he's the Joker. Yes, and back at the flat, they find Emma passed out on the floor. So she's taken away by ambulance and Steve rushes over wanting to uh, know what's going on and is upset that Marie and Gary left her to it. He gets in the ambulance whether Emma wants him there or not, saying your dad's here. And she and she shakes her head and says okay mm-hmm. and stuff. She's quite happy that he's there, which is nice. At the hospital, the supervillain Gary is understanding when Steve apologises for earlier. He says he'd be the same if it was about Zach or the other kid that he's got. Gary then explains about the medical centre and Ali's shitty diagnosis of food poisoning. Jake. Yeah, turns out that she has a ruptured appendix and it's going to need to come out. Ryan catches up with Ali and while 
Is he in the Rolls Rolls again? Or no, is he in the Rovers? He's in the back Rovers. in the Rovers now. And while Ali talks about Marie and Gary being together, Ryan is more interested in talking about seeing Emma getting carted off in an ambulance. Oh, pig's tits, says Ali, and he has to race off. Yes. Emma, turns out, is going to be fine. Steve asks why a doctor would miss this, and the surgeon says an examination would normally pick something like this up, and Steve silently but fumes. But it wasn't an official examination. It was somebody saying, hey, could you come over and give my friend some advice? And Allie does tell her, if it gets worse, go to A&E. And she doesn't do it. And, you know, Gary and Maria also say, if it's that bad, we should go to A&E. And she's like, oh, I don't want to wait for four hours. Right. So... Ali's not really to blame here. No, not really. Ali finds Steve and Maria at the hospital and asks if Emma is okay. Steve says that she's going to be fine, but no thanks to him. Why didn't he help her? Why didn't he examine her? He calls it negligence and then notices that Ali's reeking a booze. Steve's going to take him to the cleaners and make sure he never practices medicine ever again. And that's kills somebody else's child. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Of course, he's not going to do that because he doesn't have a case. No, and it's Steve. Because, and he's just because initially Ali angry. did not examine her in the doctor's office. It wasn't an official visit. It was just a friend calling over a friend and saying, you know, can you offer some more advice? Yeah, he could have still given her a little prod and said, mm, I think you really need to go to A&E, A&E, A&E right, right now. now. But you can't, you can't, it's not malpractice if she's if he's not seen her in a doctor's office. And this is why doctors don't tend to do this sort of thing where they just give advice to randos on the street. To be fair, though, Ali, I think, was more jealous about seeing Marie and Gary together than he was thinking about examining or even thinking about diagnosing anything for Emma. Right. And to be fair, you know, Maria was making such a big deal about the fact that Emma was drinking the night before because she doesn't care. She just wants to go out with Gary. Right, right. For some reason, because apparently she thinks he has a cute bum. Mm. Although we don't really see it in that Oscars outfit. Thank God. That was that was funny, though, because Ty and, and Maria made such a big deal about it being you have to dress up. And then Gary's the only one dressed up. Right. That was funny. Mm. It reminded me of that... Um, picture that went viral a couple of years ago of Ryan Reynolds, you know, and he's at somebody's Christmas party and they insisted to him that it was an ugly sweater party and he's the only one there wearing an ugly sweater. This is what passes for humour in this country. <laughs> Your moment of the week. Oh, should we say it? No. Say what? We haven't really given much of an autopsy on the storyline. Yeah, well, we've. I've, like I said, I think it's a big... Nothing burger because Steve can't take Ellie to j- to court over this. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. There's well, too many other factors. And Emma's going to be fine. So I think we're all fine. But I think this is going to be the thing that finally pushes Allie over to the edge to rock bottom. Because you know Allie. He likes to feel guilty about things. He, he really, really he does. He really holds on to his guilt. Mm-hmm. He clutches it to his chest. I didn't like the fact that Maria was saying all this stuff about Toya and Allie hooking up because everybody knows that Toya and Imran are together forever. Do you know when the last time they were in a scene together was? A long time. I think I worked it out. It's when they go round to see Nick and Leanne and apologise. Yeah, that was months ago. For blaming them for the roof collapse thing. Right. That was a while ago. Maybe... I think three months ago. 
Yeah. But they haven't broken up, and they're no. still living together. Oh, presumably. Oh, and yet nobody knows. Where's Carol? <laughs> <laughs> Moment of the week. Oh, dear. Um, I liked Beth slapping Daniel. Well, that's good. I liked the quads. Yes, but what part of the quads? Not the stupid cable car part. No, that was just nice that they got born. <laughs> Steve being protective about Emma was quite nice. Yeah. Evelyn had so many good lines. Oh. We've given it to Maureen Lippman way too often, I think. This... What was your moment of the week, Kel? Walk us through it. I think maybe even though after a C-section she wouldn't be walking around independently like that. That moment where Gemma just quietly steps out. And goes and is at the window. This was in the morning. The morning thing when Chesney was asleep. Yeah. Because that was really nice. Because she's just there and she's sitting. She's standing. She's looking at them. She's quiet. Everything else is quiet. It's a nice quiet moment. I think that's my moment of the week. I think we're going to get torn apart for that. But sure, let's go for it. That's our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Tim's dad booking himself in an expensive Californian business management yes. course. <laughs> oh God, yes, <laughs> that's her. It's so stupid. He's it, he's he's not the full owner. He's not the full owner. No, he can't be spending six hundred dollars of the restaurant's money. No, for a stupid California. It's either that or he's a fucking waiter. It, yeah, and he's like, oh, I've, I've never owned anything before. Besides a magician's kit. Right, so where's the due diligence in letting this guy in? It's it's either that or Gail talking about Deepwater Horizon. <laughs> Just because I hate Tim's dad so much. It's Tim's dad. That's it. For a moment of the week. For a moment of the week. If you've ever made it from Manchester to Hlandidno in under two hours and want to brag about it, here are the variety of ways in which you can do so. Oh. Well done. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com for email, for Skype voicemail, and for any PayPal plops into our virtual tip jar that you wish to give us. Please plop. We are at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all that nonsense. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode, and we will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. Bye-bye. Cheerio. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.